if you would, open your Bible to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. This month, I'm beginning a brand new series on the topic of, guess what? Money. That's a subject we all want to talk about, isn't it? It's going to be for the whole month long, so I'm expecting attendance to increase every week. No, seriously, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's a needful, necessary topic. I don't remember what day this past week, I think it may have been Friday night, Rhonda and I were sitting watching some television, and I told her I did it. And she said, what did you do? I said, I looked at my retirement account. She said, you shouldn't have done that. And I said, I know I shouldn't have done it, but I did it. You know how much I've lost in the past couple of months? 13%. I know, isn't that a lot? I mean, that is a lot. I mean, I did the math. It, it, it was, I mean, it's not big anyway, but it, anyway, it is what it is. It seems that money is in the news all the time. And this isn't anything new. How many of you are happy with the gas prices right now? I don't think any of us are. I'm grateful the governor suspended our gas tax, so at least it's a little bit better. Did you know inflation is up 8.5% right now? We've all felt that, haven't we, at the grocery stores? Almost, it seems, I mean, because gas grows, goes, I mean, it's just, it's a trickle-down thing. So there are a lot of people today frustrated about the cost of things. And it just seems like it's just not going to get any better anytime soon. Here's what I want you to think about. Money is something that a lot of people think about, and a lot of people focus on money, and a lot of people are driven by money. And I remember when I was in seminary, we were told that if you talk about money from the pulpit too much, people get a little frustrated with you. Because when you start messing with the wallets, the billfolds, you start meddling in places you shouldn't meddle. But I'm going to meddle. I'm going to meddle this whole month. But it's not going to be the meddling you may think it will be because what I want us to see today is this idea. What is God's view on money? Not of money, but on money. So when you think about money, when you think about how you see money and how you view money, what first does God think about it? And how does that work into the whole thing? Now, the whole thing about money, it's, it's very personal for each and every one of us. Did you know that I could probably come, and if I asked you, would you, sh well, all right, this is, I almost said it, but I'm going to say it because it's still kind of true, sort of. You know, how many of you still write checks? Some of you write, I wrote a check this morning, and I, that's the way we give, Ron and I give here, we write a check. And um, there are some churches, they don't even take checks. It's just an automatic, comes out of your bank account and goes straight to the church. Um, I don't like that, by the way. I'm a little old school. It, there's something about writing out the check and looking at it and then putting it in the offering plate. But when we think about today, how many of you pay your bills online? I mean, Ron and I do. Almost all of our bills are paid online. I don't write many checks anymore. But if I said, I want to look at your checking account, you might go, that's my business. And if you said to me, I want to look at your checking account, I'd tell you, that's my business. It's very personal. We all spend money according to who you are as a person 
and your family. You know, this is, these are kind of personal family things. But money also affects relationships. For those of you who are married, you're probably very different from your spouse when it comes to money. You may be a saver or you may be a spender. And a lot of relationships struggle when it comes to the topic of money. Not only is it affecting our relationships, but uh, those of you who still have children at home, children are expensive, aren't they? I mean, they just seem to get more and more expensive with each passing day. And when you think about cars and all the things that we use in our day, it can be expensive. Money can also be a symbol of status. Uh, you know, I still remember our oldest daughter recalling the story when I was pastoring in Cartersville and we went to buy school clothes on this particular year. We, I mean, I lived, Rhonda was a homemaker at that time, so we lived very, very frugally back in those days. And the shoes that we bought were British Knight. How many of you have ever heard of the shoe brand British Knight? They had the abbreviation BK. Well, we didn't know. We, that's all we could afford. But she recalls vividly being made fun of because she had Burger King shoes. <laughs> and today, that is affecting even the way probably my daughter and other people spend money. So when we think about money, it can also be a symbol of status or maybe a lack of status that we would like to have. And then some of us are driven by fear. We, we fear the future and we, we worry about how can we pay for something in case something breaks or tears up or what are we going to do when we get old and how are we going to afford all that we feel like we may need. So money drives us. There's a psychology behind money, by the way. How many of you ever heard of a guy named Dave Ramsey? I've heard of Dave Ramsey from years and years ago. His daughter, I believe, kind of did a little study, and she created this book, so this isn't anything new for me. I just took it from her. But she basically has a book about the psychology of money. And one idea is this. When it comes to money, typically in a family, there is the spender, and then there's the saver. And it seems to be true. <laughs> Some of y'all are smiling. And I don't know if you're the saver or the spender. And now, when it comes to men, we men tend to spend money not on little things. We like big things. We want the big lawnmower. We want the biggest, baddest tool. We want the biggest truck. Okay, we, I'll stop. Women spend money very differently than men do. Y'all spend money on flowers and home decor and clothes and, I mean, I don't know what else. I just look and go, yeah, that's nice. And so, um, but when it comes to spending money, then there's always a saver and then there's the spender. Then there's the psychologist. Then there's also the budget nerd and then the free spirit. You know what the budget nerd is? That's the person who can tell you where every penny has gone and every penny will go. And they love the budget. And then there are those that are just, we don't even, what's a budget? Do we need a budget? I mean, let's just spend it until we get a notice from the bank. We don't have any money. 
Those are the kinds of people that are making up a lot of families today. And I remember years ago when uh, Rhonda and I, we loved the Sunday paper because we got the coupons, and Rhonda was really big on the coupons back in the day. We got to cut the coupons. We got to cut the coupons. And so, and I remember getting in line behind the super coupon person. I mean, they had this many coupons, and their their grocery cart was filled with all of these coupon-related things. And I'm thinking, you're not saving any money, lady. And I hated to get behind those people because it took forever. Well, point being, some of y'all just said, coupons do save money. I better stop. Then there are those people, the psychology of money, who money is the means, and I mentioned it a minute ago, one of safety and the other status. In other words, some of us, when it comes to our view of money, we kind of think of it this way. Money is here to help me be safe, to care for me, to take care of our needs, to take care of others, whatever the case may be, but we, you're thinking kind of long-term. And then the other is more like, no, 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 my money's here to tell people how much I got, how much I make, and I am using it to build and boast, bolster my own self-esteem. And then our money-spending habits are influenced by our, when we were children the way our parents handled money and talked about money. And even when you, and think about it, you take people from differing childhoods and backgrounds and then they come together and that's why there are so many fights about money when you're married. So all of this goes into money. Now, you may say, all right, you're boring me. I don't want to bore you. Let's get to some scripture. Because scripture gives us the real baseline and the real reason we need to understand money and how God views money, and what we should view money as. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, and I'm just going to talk about a couple more verses beyond that in that same chapter. Verse number 19 reads, Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now I want you to listen to what Jesus is saying. Jesus wants me and you to understand how God views money and how money is useful and how money is harmful. So he wants us first and foremost to focus on what's really important. Now we all need money. We all, I mean, we didn't get here this morning without a way to get here, which means you got here by car or truck. And to get here in car or truck, guess what you got to have in the car or truck? Gas or diesel. And I don't think any of you have an electric car, but if you've got an electric car, kudos to you, I guess. That was sarcasm. Um, I, I need to keep these thoughts to myself, don't I? All right, so you had to get it. So we need money, and then we need to go to the grocery store, don't we? We have to eat food. So we, we've got to buy groceries from somewhere, and we need clothing. So there are some essentials that we need just to sustain our life. And so we need, though, even with the essentials, to focus, according to what Jesus just said here, focus on what's really important. 
You see, we were created as human beings to be eternal. When God breathed into you and me his breath of life, we were created from that moment to live forever in heaven or in hell. Those are the choices. There are no other choices. We just don't cease to exist when we die. We live forever. And so God says in these verses, don't collect for yourself treasures on earth, but rather build into your life treasures that will last forever in heaven. And that's where a lot of us get hung up. But then a lot of us know this principle. You've read these verses and you know this to be true. And so focusing on what's eternal versus what's temporal, that's a real struggle. And that's why couples fight. And that's why families feud. And that's why churches worry. And, I mean, the list could go on and on and on. And then in verse number 22, I didn't read this, but I'm, I'm just going to share it with you. He says this, 21 and 22, or 22 and 23. Jesus basically says that your eye is the light to your whole body. And that's your mind, your heart, your soul, your spirit. And the reason this is important is this. It's with our eyes that we see. And then we create within our mind or our heart or both the desire for things or stuff, whatever that may be, good or bad. And Jesus said that if your eye's healthy, your body will be healthy. But here's the real struggle. John said it this way in his epistle, 1 John chapter 2. He said, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. This is from a more modern translation. So if it doesn't sound familiar, that's why. But John in the King James pretty much said it like this. There's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. In other words, all of these things stem from what we see. And here's why we struggle with money. Because we see things. We crave things. We want things. And it may or may not be good for us. But if our perspective or if our priorities are reversed and we don't catch it and we don't see it because of the family we grew up in, or the way we perceive money, or the way we perceive God, eternity, and the whole nine yards, if we perceive all of these things in the wrong way, then we're allowing ourselves to be robbed on this side of heaven, and maybe even in eternity. And then in verse number 24, Jesus emphatically, he said this, he said, you cannot serve two masters. You'll either love the one or hate the other. In other words, Jesus said, and he point blank said it, you can't serve God and you can't serve money. Now, most of us would say, oh, I don't serve money. Here's the real question for us. Do you always serve God? Or do you at times serve money? See, that's the real question. And that's a struggle for all of us. Because money affects so many areas of our life. I mean, just like me on, I think it was Friday night again. Why did I look at my retirement balance? Because a little voice in my head said, look at it. 
Now, the logical side of my brain at that moment said, guess what? You know it's down. And the other side said, well, how much down? And the other side said, it doesn't matter. It's gone down before. It's gone up before. Don't worry about it. Trust God. The other side said, but I want to really know. You see, therein is a struggle. And that's where so many of us are. We, 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 these things just pop in our mind. And then we give into it, and then we struggle with it. Remember when gas prices first went up a few months ago? And how many of you remember those little stickers that were put on the gas pumps with a little pointing? I did this. Some of you probably loved that. Some of you may have said that was just mean and wrong. It even made the news. People were scratching them off. People were putting them back on. Why? Because the gas prices affected all of us. And if we're truthful, none of us really liked it because it affected the rest of our income, the rest of our bank balance, and the potential to do what else we wanted to do. See, that's how money does in our life. It, it drives us, it motivates us. Even if we're not aware of it, it does that in our life. So, see, the struggle is really real. It's a real thing every day of our life. And when it's real, we have to ask ourselves this little thing. Am I tempted to serve money? Now, most of us would say, eh, I'm not really tempted to serve money. But, but really, if you really wanted to be honest with yourself, does money drive your decisions, dominate your thoughts, control your thoughts, lead you to make decisions about other things? And if so, you may be tempted to serve money more than you really realize. When Ron and I first met and got engaged, it was for some of you who know the story, it was a short engagement, meaning I met her in January, we got engaged in April of the same year, and then we decided just to go ahead and get married and tie the knot. And everybody told us we should never do that, it'll never work, we didn't know each other long enough, all right, we did it 42 years, <laughs> we showed them, didn't we? Now, that's stubbornness. I remember when we were looking for a place to live at the little college we were going to, and uh, almost all of the homes at the time, the average rent back in the, the late 70s was, was about 100, 150 bucks a month. And we thought, we looked at the budget that we had. We're both college students. We couldn't afford a rent for 100, $125 a month. And then we begin to think, maybe God doesn't want us to get married. Maybe we should wait. Well, guess what? The college president one day came and said, I've got a lady, he, she graduated, blah, blah, blah. She's got her home place. She wants to rent it to a couple that's going in the ministry, and she's going to rent it for $10 a month. And Ron and I looked at each other and said, God answered the prayer. We went and looked at the house. We were not impressed. We were thinking, no wonder she's renting it for $10 a month. And we took it, and we did it. And we lived in those early marriage days truly by faith. I mean, by faith. There were days when we looked at the little bank account we had, and we asked God, God, we really would like to eat this week. 
and we really would like some food, but we have no money. And I'd get a phone call to preach somewhere, and they would give me a little check, and that would buy our groceries. And it was always enough, and it was never extra. That's the way we lived the first six months of our marriage. We literally lived from paycheck to paycheck. We lived truly by faith, and God always provided. We never had the extra. Now, I'm saying that to say to you, that's a tough way to live when you're living. And, and some of you may go, well, excuse me, I live that way now. I live from paycheck to paycheck. And I, we've been there multiple times throughout our marriage. And so I want you to know, though, whether you've got a lot and you've got surplus or you're literally living paycheck to paycheck, the question remains, are you tempted to serve money and the things money can buy for you? There's another reason the struggle is real. It's because at our very heart, in our very core, we are also tempted to love money. You know, love money. Now, none of us would probably say, oh, I love money. I mean, that's not the Christian thing to say, is it? Can you imagine coming up today, and if I were to say to you, everybody who says, I love money, stand up right now and say, I love money, we would go, I ain't doing that. Because we don't want to admit that we love money. We're all conditioned as Christians to say, I love Jesus. But to admit I love money would be like, well, I want to say the Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, the, no, the thing where you, you know, you're alcoholic and you go, I'm an alcoholic. All right, I better move on. When you love money, this is what Timothy uh, records or Paul wrote to Timothy. For the love of money is the root of all evil. See, that's why we don't want to admit that we may have a problem with money if we don't see it correctly. Because we're supposed to love God more than we love anything else, right? And yet we struggle with our view of money. Now, here's what most of us, this is how we know we may need to think about this a little deeper. Have you ever felt you've had an income problem? I know I have. We don't really have an income problem. No matter what our income may be, we don't have an income problem. What we really have is a spiritual problem. A spiritual problem. In those early days when Ron and I were married, living by faith, I, I, back then we would buy groceries in Vidalia, Georgia, at the Piggly Wiggly. There aren't many Piggly Wigglies left anymore. Back then they gave S&H green stamps. Some of you may are like, well, some of you are going, what's, an S and, what's that? You, if you bought your groceries at the Piggly Wiggly and maybe a few other stores, you, put, you brought your little book, and then they would give you the stamps. You would put them in the book, and when you got enough books filled, you could go redeem those for stuff. It was great. And we loved to fill up our book. It took a while to fill up the book. We went and got the cheap stuff that you could get from the fill-up book stuff. And I remember back in the day when we had our paper bags. Back, this was before plastic bags. We had a paper bag, and it seemed to be that a bag would fill, well, it was about $10 worth of groceries. 
And now they seem to do the same thing, but the bags are much smaller. Now I'm saying all this to say this. Back then, we were living by faith. But you know what we really thought to ourselves? We need more income. There was a part of us that said, we don't like living like this. Fast forward in our life a few years when I'm pastoring now full time and uh, we're paying our bills, we're paying our, car, our mortgage and we're putting the kids in school, buying them their BK shoes and doing all of the things that we were doing back in those good old days, looking at retirement and this is what we were thinking. We just didn't put enough in retirement, but we thought it'll be okay because we're serving God. And now that I've gotten older, guess what? On a Friday night and a random night, I look at my retirement account going, I have lost money. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You see, I don't have a money problem, an income problem. What do I have? I have a spiritual problem. I have a spiritual problem. And I don't think I'm alone because I think all of us struggle with our present and we struggle at times with our future. Some of you live today strictly on something called Social Security, don't you? It is not a lot, is it? Can you imagine living on Social Security alone? I meet people in hospice all the time. That's their only source of income. Here's what I want you to know, and here's what I want me to know. At the end of the day, money is just a tool. That's all it is. Whether you've got a lot or you're barely making ends meet or you're somewhere in between, we all have to learn, God, what is your view on money? Because that's more important than my view on money. And we have to remember that where our treasure is, there our heart is as well. So how do we deal with the struggle that's real and begin to try to get God's view on it? Here's what I want to leave you with. Money exists to serve you as you serve God. Now, I want to say that again. Money should serve you as you serve God. In other words, whatever money God blesses you with, whatever money God puts into your bank account, God says to you, I am giving this to you to serve me, to fulfill the purpose that I've called you to. Now that kind of changes it, doesn't it? I just asked Rhonda earlier, because we did our taxes last month. No, yes, last month. It is May now. And we owed more in federal tax because Rhonda got a little raise. It's her fault. And, and, and so, it, you know, I'm, I'm looking going, well, this, this isn't what we expected. I went through all the numbers and then hit the little button and it said, you owe this. And I went, oh, oh, well, let me go back and look at that again. And I went back and looked. Guess what? It didn't lie. So here, here's, here's the thing. God gave us what we have, not for just us, 
but to serve him. So this morning I, I leaned over and said, what do you make now? And she told me, and then I did a little quick math to figure out what we should be giving back to God as a form of tithes and offerings, and I just kind of went like that and went, whew, okay, we're giving not just the minimum, we're giving extra on top of that, which is all good and gravy, right? So we, we, don't, we, we don't exist for money and money alone. So how do, we, how do we figure out, God, you've given me money to serve you. How can we change our focus thinking on this? Because trust me, this is going to be a struggle for many of us Maybe on a daily basis, maybe every now and then, but when it comes, we've got to learn to focus on what God wants us to focus on. What is really important? You know what's really important? Is that when you die, this is the most important thing you'll ever decide on. When you die, will you go to heaven or will you not go to heaven? That's number one. Is heaven my eternal home? And if heaven's your eternal home, then you have to say, God, how do you want me to, to live my life? We are stewards of everything God puts in our possession. That means our relationships, that means our income, our money, the things that we, our homes, it is, it is all given to us by God on loan for us to manage for his purpose. It's not about me. It's not about you. So we've got to focus on what God's want. And then we've got to practice basically letting go of some money to serve God and other people. When I say practice this, I, I, I'm glad we're passing the offering plate now. I forget. Angie or Becky talked to me about that a couple of three weeks ago. I'm glad we're doing that because it makes it a little more real when you see the plate come by. And when you see the plate come by, when we give back to God, and guess what? God could take all of our money at any point in time. I mean, literally, he could just, it could all be gone. He could take it all. And when you think about it, we need to learn that what we have is not ours anyway. We're just stewards of it. So we've got to learn to practice giving back to God and then serving other people. God wants us to be a blessing. And I'm going to say it. If you think, and you ever heard some of these little TV preachers say, if you'll send me a dollar, you'll get 20 back. Or something like that. Do not fall for that. God never says in his word that if you give X amount, he will turn around and bless you with whatever. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you just give because it's the right thing to do. Sometimes you give your offering because it's the right thing to do. Sometimes we need to learn, God, this thing about money, it's given to me from you to serve you. It's not mine. I'm just a steward, a manager. So the real question that we will look at this month is this. How good of a manager am I? How good of a manager am I? Because at the end of the day, guess what, y'all? It's just money. 
You may notice I've got on a G on my shirt today. I just wore it just because. One of the interesting things about this time of the year is this. Football players just got drafted, right? Some of you may have watched a little bit about it. I didn't know this, but apparently if you're the number one pick in the NFL draft, you get a lot of money. I mean, like, a lot of money. And then as you go down the pool, you get less and less money. But you still make pretty good money playing professional sports. But did you know that of those in elementary and middle school and high school now who say, I've got talent, one day I'm going to play pro sports and make a lot of money. Do you know only a small percentage of those high school kids play at a high level in college? And of all of the college football players, basketball players, baseball players, etc., did you know that only 2% of them ever make it to the majors or the pros? Here's what I'm saying. If we focus on what the big deal, I'm talking about those big dollars, we have a problem. Not that it's wrong to play sports. I'm not saying that. Not that it's wrong to be an actor or an actress or make a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. But if money controls you, and you're using it for you rather than as a tool God has given to you to serve Him, then that's a spiritual problem. Let's learn to spend money, use money the way God wants us to. And that's what we're going to.